How are y'all? Good. We're continuing on a series called uh, What Are You Waiting For? Hopefully y'all have an answer by now. What are you waiting for? And uh, last week we talked about how, um, you know, when we wait, when we are expecting something good to happen, uh, we are people who are called to prepare and be ready. You know, and last week we talked about John the Baptist and his call to repentance with the expectation that the Messiah was going to come. John the Baptist could baptize with water, and he said, but yet the one who is going to be here, Jesus, is going to baptize you with fire. He is going to be the one that brings the Spirit into your life, and he said to be prepared for that. And so that's a piece of expectation and waiting and, and longing. And today we're going to look a little bit more at the question of uh, what does that look like for our lives? Because like I talked about last week, we are not usually very good at waiting. And um, when we think about that, uh, one of the realities that is out there is that um, many people, there's a, a rise in how people deal with their lives. Um, when we think about the future, it has an effect on what we're doing right now, how we live our lives now. If we have an expectation that things are going to go well in the future, uh, we will prepare in a certain way. If we don't think things are going to go good, then uh, we will maybe not prepare or do anything. We might just give up. Uh, I remember very clearly a number of years ago, um, I had a habit of trying, I was trying to get healthy and I was trying to, to get better, get healthier. And uh, it was always funny to me on the days that I would work out, I would go home and I would eat a healthy breakfast. On the days that I didn't work out, I would stop by the donut shop. It was like, I'm expecting to be healthy, therefore I'll eat a good breakfast. And uh, the days when I didn't work out, when I was like, well, things are just going to go south from here, right? You know, I would head to the donut shop. And um, on a broader scale of things, when you talk with people who are struggling with depression, when they're struggling with anxiety or worry, much of that has to do with their expectation of the future. Uh, a dear friend of mine struggled with a great deal of depression, and he had a good friend of his that would come to him, and he would say, tell me what you're looking forward to. What is it that you're hopeful about? You know, you have a daughter, you're looking forward to her graduation and her wedding and, and grandkids. And, and he said that just made all the difference, just to have something that he could look forward to in the future, something that was an anchor in the future that would draw him to living his life in a good way. It makes such a huge difference. And when you think about our culture, uh, the way things are going, uh, many people don't have that kind of expectation they look at their lives and they said, this is as good as it's going to get, and so it is best that I try and live my life in a way that is pleasing to me, that is all about me, uh, that gives me the best benefit, that takes care of my needs and my desires, uh, because, you know, this is about as good as it's ever going to be. And the result of that is that we have a huge problem when it comes to our culture disconnecting from each other. And I'm not talking about the connection of social media. I'm talking about how people interact face-to-face, -face, spend time in community. Uh, things like uh, Lions Club, Kiwanis, uh, all those social groups that were so important for many years are dwindling and dying off. 
uh, because people see less and less need for that kind of connection or that kind of working together or that kind of contribution to their culture. Uh, that over and over again you see that people are becoming more isolated, more alone, uh, more distant from the people around them. Um, and the reality is that you and I, most of us, probably couldn't even name the first name of the eight people that live closest to us in our neighborhoods, right? Much less their last name. And I'm not just talking about, oh, that guy that always leaves his trash can out too long, right? And you've you're, you got to have their name, kind of know where their background is, that kind of thing, that we're, we're more and more isolated. And so when we talk about why Jesus matters so much and why our church matters so much, a piece of that is that we are rebuilding what God created us to do, which is to be a people that have a community, that have a fellowship, that work together for the greater good. And part of that is that we we wait together, we long together, we hope together, we sigh about what will be in the future. And we need to get better at that. And so today I have for you two people in the Bible who were um, like all-stars when it came to waiting expectantly. Last week we talked about Abraham and Sarah, about how that they gave up on what God was going to do, and so they tried to create their own plan, tried to sort circuit God's plan, tried to hurry the schedule along, and that went disastrously. And this week we're going to look at two people who did it right. And what we learn from them are some very important lessons. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 2, and we'll be looking at um, the story of Simeon and Anna. And then um, if you have your phone, you might want to look up Psalm 33 because it won't be on the screen. Well, Chase is back there. There is a chance it'll be up there. But Psalm 33 is also what I'm going to use. And so if you want to have an excuse for pulling out your phone, scrolling through Facebook while I talk, you can pretend you're looking for Psalm 33 as well, right? I love you all too. All right. So Luke chapter 2, verse 25. It says, a man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. And so it says there's this man named Simeon who is righteous and devout. He lived a good life. He was doing the right thing. He was obedient to God. Why? Because he anticipated that God was about to do what God was going to do. You know, it makes all the difference when we have that expectation and that belief about what God is going to do in our future. It causes us to be better and to do better. And so that's a great gift that God gives us. It goes on. It says, The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. He said, Now... Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. So we'll just stop there real quick. And I just just wanted to focus on that fact of what Simeon says. He says, now. Simeon has been waiting. God has told him, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah, until you have seen the Messiah with your own eyes. You're not going to pass from this world. And Simeon trusts in God, believes what God has told him, lives a good life, and now the moment comes. You know, he's been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and then now, right? It's right there in that moment. 
It's like the joke you always see about avocados, not ripe, not ripe, not ripe, ripe, rotten, right? That all of a sudden, everything changes, and Simeon has been waiting and longing for that moment, and suddenly he has the baby Jesus in his hands. You know, what an amazing feeling that must have been. Have you had those moments in your life where you have waited for a long time and then suddenly it all seems to happen at once, right? Um, I I know that many of y'all are aware of my situation. My wife and I, when we got married, we tried to have kids and we couldn't. And uh, we went through the process of going to uh, adopt a child. And um, we got the amazing news one day after years of of waiting and and all that, that we were going to be able to adopt our oldest child. And then we also found out about the same time that we were pregnant with our second child. And uh, so our oldest two are seven months apart. And, um, but I, I remember so clearly like um, waiting on the, the day that we were supposed to get our oldest daughter. Uh, they had called us and they told us, you know, we lived in Houston. They said, you need to be in Austin by 6 a.m. to get your daughter. And so, you know, my wife, if you know her, uh, we were in Austin by about 4.30 that morning, right? And uh, we were waiting, you know, like, and we, we were looking for that to happen. And we got a call from the caseworker, and she said to us, okay, y'all here in Austin? We said, yes. And you said 6 o'clock. And she said, we're not ready. And we're like, okay, what do we need to do? Uh, you just need to kill some time in Austin. And um, it was the absolute longest day of my life, Right? waiting from 4.30 in the morning or whenever we got up that morning until 8 o'clock that evening uh, to find out whether or not we were going to take that child home. It was one of the longest days in our life. And yet, once we had her, everything changed, right? And this is what Simeon is experiencing. He has waited and waited and waited longer than I ever did or or you and I ever have. And, And then suddenly, he's got the baby Jesus in his hands. And so... He goes on. Um, Meanwhile, Jesus says, Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepare the salvation in the presence of all people. It's a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people of Israel. His father and mother were amazed by what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This boy is a sign to be the cause of the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that generates opposition so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. And so when Simeon has the child in his hands, he proclaims this to Mary and Joseph and he says, your child is going to be the one who shows people their true nature, their true heart. You know, He'll, he'll be the one that will be able to point out clearly to everybody what they truly believe. What they truly believe about the future. You know, when I, when I think about that, it just reminds me and over and over again that there seems to be a couple of clear ways that people live their lives. You know, are you, you living your life in a way that says you have an expectation about what God is going to do in your future? Or are you living just for today, for yourself, for whatever it is that's right in front of you? And he says those are, that's what Jesus can do. He, he points those two things out in our innermost being. 
And so that's the first one. That's Simeon. The second one is Anna. And um, Anna says, There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phineal, who belonged to the tribe of Asher. She was very old. After she married, she lived with her husband for seven years. She was now an 84-year-old widow. She never left the temple area but worshipped God with fasting and prayer night and day. She approached at the very moment and began to praise God and to speak about Jesus to everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So this is another person that knew a lot about waiting. It says that she was married, but after seven years her husband had died, and now she was older in, in her age and her life. And we don't know how long that had been, um, but we know that this is somebody that had not just simply passed the time, that she was a prophetess. She had spoken God's words about righteousness and about what things were meant to be in terms of God. And then finally, she gets to meet the Messiah as well. And it's for both of them, it's just amazing. You know? It is so worth it for both of them to have that time. So what about you? These are two people who had a hopeful expectation in their life about what God was going to bring about. What about you? You know, I, um, I don't, I, this is going to be a little, little heavy here, but I have probably done close to 250 funerals. I think that's about right for how many I have done. And there's always the reality uh, when we get together with a family and we say, tell me about them, tell me about their life. Time and time again, when people are there and they're talking about their family member, it is rare that they hand me a list of achievements and they say, this is what mattered most about this person. It's really rare. I did have one time in which somebody handed me an eight-page manuscript that the person had written about all of their achievements, and I said, thank you, but tell me about who they are. You know, rarely do they ever say they went to this school, they achieved this, they worked for this company, and they reached the rank of whatever. When they talk about why those people mattered, it's because of things like they were my mom, and they loved me, and they cared for me. They were my friend when I didn't have anybody. They were there for me. They took care of me. They loved me. They cherished me. You know, it's a, it's a difference of significance, not about their achievements, but how they had poured and invested in people's lives because they had believed in them. And when we look at this reality of what these two people in the Bible are talking about. They're saying it's not about what we have done or what we have accomplished. It's about this God who believes in us and has poured into us and, and wants to see good in our lives that we're so excited about and we're so encouraged about. Not our own achievements, not by what we have done, but by what God alone can do. All right, so uh, change the tab on your phone if you're on Facebook. Let's look at Psalm 33. And um, it says later down, about midway through the psalm, it says, Kings aren't saved by their own strength of their armies. Warriors aren't rescued by much power they have. A war horse is a bad bet for victory. It can't save despite its great strength. But look here. The Lord's eyes watch all who honor him, all who wait for his faithful love to deliver their lives from death and keep them alive during a famine. 
We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Our heart rejoices in God because we trust in His holy name. And it's just a, a beautiful psalm because it says, you know, what is it that you've got your life fed upon? What is it that you have said, this is what my life is going to be about? The psalm says, you know, kings can't trust in their armies. They can't trust in their war horses. They're not a good bet. They're not the way that our lives find salvation. He says, instead, you know, our trust should be in God and what God is going to do. But it's a struggle. It, it's fascinating. Did you know, in 1950, they did a, a Gallup poll, and they asked a group of students, and they said, okay, just answer this one simple question. Are you an important person? And in 1950, 12% of the students indicated that they were important people, you know, that they were of significance. By 2005, they asked the same question. Are you an important person? 80% of the high school students said they were. From 12%, to 80%, you know, over just that span of decades. I mean, our self-esteem and our estimation of what we can do has significantly changed over the decades, right? I mean, in the 1950s, you were talking about, you know, the tail end of the, or the beginnings of the greatest generation, right? And now, you know, we're talking about a group of people that are, what, Instagram famous, right? Uh, that our estimation of our worth and our value has significantly gone up. I mean, another fascinating part of that poll was they said, um, if you, are you good at math? Are you, is your country the best at math? America is horrible at math. We come in around 25th in the world. But they said, but are you good at it? And they all said, absolutely, we're number one. Like, no basis for it, but we believe it. And no doubt, when we, we talk about that reality, you know, that's part of what goes into, do we trust in ourselves or do we believe in what God is going to do? So when you think about your own life, are you, are you trusting in your own ability, is your own strength? Are you believing in what God alone can accomplish and what God alone can do in your life? It makes such a huge difference. It also makes a big difference about how you connect and how you live. I mean, greater things like Habitat for Humanity or being part of a church or giving your time to help with the children's ministry on Sunday morning or making a contribution or uh, how you spend the time of your life is all based on the idea of, do you believe that one day Christ will return? Whether you've thought of that or not, it's all based on your expectation of how this is all going to end. It's going to determine a lot of how you're going to spend your time. And God invites us to say, on one day you will stand before God and you will give an account of your life. You know, and I'm so thankful at that point when God stand, I stand before God and I give an account of my life, I am so thankful that it won't be based on my resume. Whether or not I go into heaven, I'm so thankful for that. Not that I haven't done stuff. I'm really thankful it is not based on my high school GPA. Really thankful. But it's not based on any of that. But rather, it'll be based on the Lord and Savior that's right next to me, who says, this is my child. He belongs to me. My grace, my mercy, my sacrifice is what is going to make him right and allow him to spend eternity with me. 
So what are you looking for? What are you waiting for? There was a great uh, theologian named Reinhold Niebuhr, and he had this powerful word that I just want to share with you. He said, nothing that is worth doing can be achieved in our lifetime. Have you thought about that? Nothing worth doing can be achieved in our lifetime. Therefore, we must be saved by hope. Nothing which is true or beautiful or good makes complete sense in any immediate context or history. Therefore, we must be saved by faith. Nothing we do, however virtuous, can be accomplished alone. Therefore, we must be saved by love. No virtuous act is, is quite as virtuous from the standpoint of a friend or foe as it is from our standpoint. Therefore, we must be saved by the final form of love, which is forgiveness. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your Son, Jesus Christ. And today, I just hope that all of us would give some thought to what it means that one day he will return. For those that are new to the church, that have never given any thought to this or are still considering it, I just pray that today they would turn their lives over to you, that they would accept what you have offered them and grace and mercy and forgiveness, that no longer do they have to be worried or anxious or fearful about what you think of them because through Jesus they can be set right and they can be close to you. And gracious God, for those of us who have been on this journey for a while, would you help us to just consider what part of our life most needs to hear this message? What part of our life has not been surrendered to you? What part of our life is still in need of more of your grace and your mercy? Because it is still far from where you would like it to be. Gracious God, we faithfully lift these prayers up to you, knowing that you will keep your promise to us and that you love us so, so dearly. In all this we pray and ask in Jesus' most blessed